The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. And coming up, we're going to do another one of our summer check-ins with NFC contenders this week. We're going to talk about the New York Giants with Ed Valentine from Big Blue View. We'll get his assessment on the offseason so far. He'll give us a grade on the offseason and let us know how much he thinks the gap may have closed between the Giants and the Eagles, if it's closed at all. So we'll tackle that coming up here in the next few minutes of Eye on the Enemy. want to just remind you, of course, to leave a a five-star rating and a review at the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed over on Apple Podcasts. And if you wanted to leave a review on Eye on the Enemy, let me know what you think of the show. I would love to read it on the the broadcast, as they say. Not really a broadcast, but a podcast. So uh, make sure you do that. Leave a five-star rating and a review at Bleeding Green Nation's podcast feed on Apple Podcasts. And check out BleedingGreenNation.com every day, too, for the latest news, notes, and rumors about the Philadelphia Eagles. And joining me to talk about the Giants and the offseason that they've had, where things stand now as the summer is rolling in, Ed Valentine, good buddy of the podcast, of course, from Big Blue View. We talked to him a lot at the very end of last season as the Eagles were finishing up the season against the Giants and then playing them in the playoffs pretty quickly after that. Um, And uh, we'll get his take on the Giants' offseason thus far. Ed, welcome back to Eye on the Enemy. How are you, buddy? Hey, I'm good, John. Thank you for having me. Always, uh, always a pleasure to talk, uh, to talk Giants, talk Eagles, talk NFC East, all that fun stuff. Yeah, we've been doing. So what I've been doing this summer is I've been kind of checking in with the teams that I think are going to be the top contenders to challenge the Eagles for conference supremacy. We've talked about the 49ers, the Lions, and the Cowboys so far, and the Giants obviously leap to mind because they won a playoff game last year. Went nine seven and one in the regular season, right? You had that tie. Uh, I think during the during the 22 season, if I'm not misremembering, um, and uh, and and look to be a team on the way up. They got that Buffalo brain trust at the general manager seat and at the head coaching spot. And I think by most accounts, people think they've had a very good off season. I want to get a grade from you on the off se- off season, but we'll do that at the end. Uh, let's start from the beginning here with with the headline move, and I think that's obviously. Making the decision that Daniel Jones is your franchise quarterback, signing him to the big deal. I know when we have spoken in the past, you weren't necessarily sold on the idea of him as a franchise quarterback, but also understanding maybe that the options out there weren't really a whole lot better. How are you feeling about the deal now? Well, I feel largely the same way that I've felt all along. When you look at the situation, 
if the Giants weren't going to follow the the Minnesota Vikings model that we're seeing this offseason and blowing everything up despite the fact that they were a playoff team last year if they weren't going to blow everything up what choice did they really have there there was no way they were going to get into the top five or six picks to get one of the top quarterbacks and I would argue that that you can't guarantee me that any of those quarterbacks are going to be better than Daniel Jones anyway. If you look at the free agent market, Aaron Rodgers wasn't coming to the Giants. You know, I would argue that there wasn't a better option on the market for the Giants than Daniel Jones. And mm-hmm. I would also argue that I I think the the $40 million price tag has people thrown for a loop a little bit. Mm-hmm. But when you look at it, when you really look at it, that's more money than I think we all anticipated that the Giants would pay. But when you look at it, that's mid-tier quarterback money in this market. By the time Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert get paid, Daniel Jones' contract is going to be somewhere around the 15th highest among quarterbacks, and that puts him right in the middle of the market. Sure. Sure. Yeah, in terms of the dollars, you're right. It, it sounds bad. It looks bad. But the way these, the way quarterback salaries are rising, and the fact you'd still have a few studs who have yet to get paid, uh, I, I think you're right about that. I, uh, I, I, John, I need to, I need to say one more thing quickly yeah, yeah. about Jones. I also think that it's important to note that where the Eagles made a commitment to Jalen Hurts that is a true long-term commitment. That's mm-hmm. a five-year deal, and there's there's what nine million void years at the end of that contract. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. The Giants. This reads as a four-year contract for Daniel Jones, but this is a contract that has two seasons of guaranteed money. Mm-hmm. If Daniel Jones doesn't continue to ascend, and if the Giants look at this two years from now and they think. He's taken us as far as he can take us. They have the ability to get out of this deal. So, yes, it's a long-term deal. Yes, it's a commitment. Yes, it's a a lot of guaranteed money. But they left themselves an out that's not going to hamstring this franchise for the next four or five years. And that was the exact question I was going to ask you next, so I'm glad you jumped in with that. Um so where would you have Daniel Jones ranked right now in terms of NFC quarterbacks? Is he a top five quarterback in the conference? Do you think he's more between five and 10? I certainly wouldn't put him below 10 for sure. No, I would probably put him between five and 10, to be honest with you. Chris Sims had him ranked number 11. Other other rankings have had him, you know, overall, you know, throughout the league, you know, between, you know, somewhere in the top half. And I think, I honestly think that's fair. I think that we haven't seen Daniel Jones put up the big numbers. We we saw him play really good football last year, but it was, by and large, it was conservative football. The Giants really didn't turn him loose until a few games toward the end of the year. I think that what's going to be really interesting is with some of the weapons that the Giants are adding this year, 
How much more are they going to turn him loose? They've added Darren Waller. They've added a lot of speed. And and I'm going to be interested to see how much his numbers improve, how much the Giants improve in terms of uh, of points per game. So there is there's definitely meat on the bone. There's room for improvement. I would say that in terms of what he was asked to do last year, I think Daniel Jones played about as well as he could. You know, the question becomes how much more is there? Sure, sure. And so now let's move around a little bit, and we're going to stay focused on the offense. What's the deal with Saquon Barkley? Obviously playing on the franchise tag, but he's not happy about it. The team says they want to sign him to a long-term deal. There's some disagreement as to whether or not the team and the player are renegotiating or or continuing to negotiate or whether an old offer is back on the table. What's the latest with Saquon and the chances that he'll sign a long-term deal with New York? Well, I think that it's it's best for both sides if they get a long-term deal done. The uh, The question becomes just how hard-headed does Saquon want to be and do his representatives want to be when it comes to the, the reality of the way the market is right now. The reality of the way the market is right now is Saquon would like 13 or 14 million dollars a year, something that would make him the second highest paid running back in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But is this market going to sustain that? Is he going to be able to get that in this market? I think that what it comes down to is the Giants have him on the franchise tag, which he hasn't signed yet, of course. Mm-hmm, right. So that franchise tag this year is worth $10.1 million. So if you franchise tag him this year and he happens to play on it, the franchise tag next year for a running back is slightly over $12 million. So that's twenty-two, about $22.2 million in guaranteed money if he simply plays on the tag for the next two years. And I think what it comes down to is are the Giants willing to give him a contract no matter what the average annual value numbers are? Are they willing to give him a contract that guarantees him more money than that over the next two years? If they're not, he's going to balk at that. And, and yeah. if they are, then then maybe they can get a deal done. If I, I tend to think, and I, I've I've said that I think the sweet spot is somewhere around three years, $39 million with the first two years guaranteed. That's $26 million. That's a a little bump from the franchise tag numbers. I think that's the sweet spot because I also think that gives the Giants an option to get out after two years. Obviously, the Giants needed to upgrade their weapons around Jones uh, and around Barkley, specifically in the passing game. They retained Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard. And they still have Isaiah Hodgins. Then they went out and they signed Paris Campbell and Jamison Crowder to free agent deals and traded for tight end Darren Waller. How much better is the passing game now than it was when the season ended? And how do you see the depth chart shaking out with all of these guys there? Well, it is significantly better if these guys are healthy. If Darren Waller is healthy you've got a guy who is still a top five or six tight end in the NFL. 
You've got a guy that brings a skill set that the Giants didn't have. I mean, he's the guy that they will base their passing attack around. The question is, can he can he stay healthy, which he hasn't done the last two years? If he's healthy, the passing attack is is very very different than it than it was a year ago. In terms of the depth chart. I think your starters, at least initially, are Isaiah Hodgins and Darius Slayton, probably with Paris Campbell in the slot. And and after that, it largely depends on health. I mean, the question becomes, does Sterling Shepard have anything left? Is he going to be ready by the start of the season or sometime into the season? He said the other day that his goal is to be ready when the season starts, which I took to mean week one. The uh, from from the looks of it, from being at OTAs a couple times, Sterling Shepard is actually farther ahead of of uh, farther ahead than Wandale Robinson in his rehab. So I'm not expecting to see Robinson until sometime into the season. So how much those two guys give the Giants, I I just don't know. But mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting, Darius Slayton who I think ran a 4.39 at the Combine a few years ago, has for years, you know, kind of proudly beaten his chest and said that he's the fastest guy in the room, in the wide receiver room. Mm-hmm. Well, he's he's trying to do that again this year, even with Jalen Hyatt on the roster, even with Paris Campbell on the roster, even with Jeff Smith, former New York Jet, on the roster, Jamison Crowder, another fast guy competing for a job. And Paris Campbell very you know, said, said flat out the other day, he said, you know, he said, Slay says a lot of stuff. He says, but in his heart, <laughs> he in his heart, he knows the answer. Mm-hmm. He knows that Paris Campbell ran a faster 40 time than he did, it, you know, coming out of the combine. He knows that Jeff Smith is faster than he is. He knows that that Jalen Hyatt is just as fast as he is. And it's a really interesting thing because you haven't been able to look at the Giants and and think of them as a fast group on the outside for a very, very long time. Yeah. No, and that was I know one of the things that they really wanted to do better with was get some more speed on the field for Daniel Jones. And that's it seems what they've that seems to be what they've done. So as I mentioned, most of the consequential moves in free agency and through trades were on offense, but have they did they do anything to help themselves on defense in free agency and trades before we jump into to the draft? Well, the the biggest free agent signing was Bobby O'Karake, inside linebacker. Now, I find it interesting, and I didn't get a chance to ask Giants assistant GM Brandon Brown this the other day, but I found it really interesting that the Giants with Brandon Brown, who came out of the Philly organization, obviously, I found it really interesting that the Giants prioritized Okereke, the former Indianapolis Colt inside linebacker, over T.J. Edwards, former mm-hmm. Eagles inside linebacker. I I didn't get a chance to ask Brandon Brown why the other day when he spoke to media, but but I would have thought, just based on Brown's background, that the Giants would go after Edwards but they went after Okereke, and the Giants had a a revolving door at inside linebacker last year. The the two guys who started week one were cut by the end of the season. 
um, Tay Crowder, and uh, I can't even honestly can't even remember who the other who the other <laughs> guy was. To be honest with you, it escapes uh-huh. me right now. But they, I they went through three or four different iterations of groups at inside linebacker, and by the end of the year. You converted safeties. Landon Collins and Tony Jefferson were playing linebacker snaps during uh, during passing downs, so they were searching. Okereke is a huge signing for them. The other thing that they did, free agent wise, they felt like they didn't defend the run well enough. They were thirty first in the league in in yards per carry allowed, and they went out and they signed. Rakeem Nunez-Rochez and Ashawn Robinson as backup defensive linemen for Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence, and they feel like they've really upgraded that group. So they feel like they've really upgraded the front seven group through mm-hmm. through free agency. <clears throat> Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity— But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Okay, so, I mean, obviously something they needed to do, but they also did that in the draft as well. Um, And most experts I've seen giving them high marks for their draft, especially on the first two days. I think the second solid draft in a row the Giants had. They had a very good draft last year. It's clear that the, the influx of... The Buffalo Bills brain trust, you know, uh, Shane getting in there and and doing his thing has, has really helped out. They were very busy in the draft. Uh, first two rounds, um, it sounds like it went exactly the way they wanted to. Let's talk about their first round pick, Deontay Banks. Um, I see him listed on the depth chart in our lads as a starting cornerback. A, do you think that he's going to be the starter at one of the cornerback spots once week one rolls around? And is he going to be a corner one able to lock down a guy like A.J. Brown and CeeDee Lamb? Well, I think that the Giants would very much like Deontay Banks to be the starter opposite of Dory Jackson in week one. Whether that happens, we'll have to see in training camp, we'll have to see in the preseason He's been working with the starting group, and I think that if it if it continues to trend that way, if it can if he continues to to play well, I think that's what the Giants would really really like. You want to get your first round pick on the field, obviously. Mm-hmm. Can he be a cornerback one? I happened to write this uh, Friday at Big Blue View, you okay. know, just to look at the defense and Sauce Gardner. 
New York Jets cornerback, defensive mm-hmm. rookie of the year, all pro, pro bowl as a rookie. Sauce Gardner ruined it for rookie cornerbacks everywhere. All right. Yeah. Because what <laughs> he an, did. It's an unrealistic expectation. What he did is the exception, not the rule. I think it's an unrealistic expectation for a cornerback to walk in and be a, a cornerback one right away. We've, you know, we've seen, we've seen too many cornerbacks who, who turned out to have good careers. We've seen too many of them struggle initially in their career. Will Tay Banks be one of those guys? I don't know. I think that, that the Giants would settle for him being good, for him holding his own, for him looking like he belongs as a rookie. My question in terms of cornerback one with with Deontay Banks is this is the last year of Adoree Jackson's contract, and Adoree Jackson is technically right now cornerback one for the Giants. Will the Giants come out of 2023 convinced that Deontay Banks can be a cornerback one and that they have enough other players at the position that they don't have to pay Adoree Jackson and they can move on? Got it. Okay. So uh, looking at your round two guy, center John Michael Schmitz, also seeing he looks like he's penciled in as the week one starter. Does he appear to be ready to take on that gig? Well, that's funny because you're right. He is penciled in and, and that is most definitely in pencil, I think, at this point. <laughs> okay. Even, right. you know, offensive line coach Bobby Johnson said the other day, you know, obviously there's a lot of, of mental things. There's a lot of... Re- responsibility a lot of accountability that gets that gets placed on the centers of a show of on the on the shoulders of a center not easy for a rookie not every rookie turns into turns into Creed Humphrey I think John Michael Schmitz can handle it but we'll have to wait and see offensive line coach Bobby Johnson said the other day you know can he handle the physical aspects of the job you know we think so but let's wait until we get to training camp and see what happens when he tries to block Dexter Lawrence. Yeah, you know, that'll, let's, be, let's, that'll be a good indication. <laughs> that'll be a good indication of how ready he is or whether he's not ready or not. Or So that's what Bobby Johnson wants to see at this point is, is can, he handle, <laughs> can he handle the right. physical aspect of the job? All right, and then um, your third-round pick, I mean – it sounds like uh, Jalen Hyatt is a guy that they really like a lot, but we just talked about all the different receivers that they have there. Um, is he going to be watching most of the season? I wouldn't say that he's going to be watching most of the season, but what I would say is that I don't think he's going to threaten any you know rookie-wide receiving records. I think that he's a guy who has a lot to learn coming out of that rather unique Tennessee offense. I mean, speed is speed, and you can always use straight-line speed to threaten a mm-hmm. defense and to make big plays. But he he's a developmental, I don't want to say developmental project, but he's mm-hmm. a guy who has a lot to learn to have to be a complete NFL wide receiver. I'm sure that the Giants can take advantage of his speed. I'm sure that they'll try to. But just the impression that I that I get initially is that they're going to go slow with him. I don't think this is not going to be a redshirt year for, for Jalen Hyatt, but it's not going to be a year 
where they they run him out there and expect him to be wide receiver one or wide receiver two. I think he's going to see a lot of, uh, I almost want to say spot duty. Gotcha. So looking at the free agency, looking at the trades, looking at the draft, what overall grade would you give the Giants for their offseason thus far? How much better are they? I think potentially, what I've said at Big Blue View, I think potentially they're better at almost every position. And I would include quarterback there simply because I think that Daniel Jones has has better weapons around him and a second year in a system for uh, which he hasn't had that before. So potentially, I think they're better all the way across the board. I have to give them, at this point, the, the big hole is what's going to happen with Saquon Barkley. So at this point, I give them a B plus. And how much closer are they, do you think, to, let's talk, say the Cowboys first. How much closer are they, are they to the Cowboys? Well, it's, it, it's hard to say. I think, they, I think they've closed the gap on the Cowboys because I don't think I can sit here and argue that the Cowboys really got better this offseason. Okay, I'm I'm not sure I can make that argument. I think I think you can make the argument as I said that that across the board at almost every position there's there's potential for the Giants to be better in 2023 than they were in 2022. When you flip that and, and you look at the Eagles, the yeah. Eagles are us are the Eagles are still a finished product. Mm-hmm. You know, the Eagles, you know, they're still, that was one of the things Joe Shane talked about was closing the talent gap with the Eagles and with the Chiefs and with teams like that. And 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 I think the Giants have done that, or I want to say potentially have done that if the additions that they have, you know, if most of these things work out in a positive way for them. I think that potentially they have done that. Are they there yet? Absolutely not. Is there a possibility that the 2023 season goes sideways? Absolutely, because every, you know, everything's on paper and you never know how the ball's going to bounce. So, But I do think that this is a better Giants roster than the one they finished 2022 with. Well, I mean, I think we're going to play this all out. The Giants certainly surprised last year and were much better at the at the end of the season than it looked like they were going to be at the start of the season. And each season offers its new surprises. So it has been a very interesting offseason for the Giants. I agree. I think they are a solid team. I do think they've gotten better. Um, I do agree with you, though, that the talent gap between them and at least the Eagles still, I think, is a little bit um, too wide for them to, to make up that ground. But the Eagles' schedule also much harder than it was a year ago. So uh, we will be checking in with Ed later on in the summer, right before the season starts, once we get training camp rolling around to get an assessment for how things are going with the Giants. But in the meantime, you can catch everything Ed is doing over at Big Blue View by going to BigBlueView.com. Ed, thanks for coming on Eye on the Enemy. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. My thanks once again to Ed for for hopping on. And don't forget to check out BleedingGreenNation.com each and every day and that five-star rating and review on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. We would greatly appreciate it. Helps the podcast out tremendously if y'all would do that. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time here on Eye on the Enemy.